As the intrepid adventurers tread deeper into the labyrinthian caverns, a soft, mysterious glow begins to dance around the corner. Curiosity peaked, they cautiously approach, only to stumble upon a whimsical scene. Before them, a merry band of pint-sized creatures, no taller than your knee, frolic around a miniature bonfire. With scaly, mischievous grins and wagging tails, these tricksters reveal themselves to be none other than kobolds. Their tiny claws click against makeshift pots and pans, keeping rhythm to their impromptu dance. Unaware of the approaching heroes, their chatter fills the air with a delightful cacophony. As your party is crouched watching these little monsters intently, trying to come up with a plan, your bard accidentally slips and 20 kobold heads snap in your direction. Roll for initiative. Welcome to Keepers of the Monster Guild. I am Cole. I use whatever pronouns you want. And I just finished watching the Nintendo Direct. I'm Matcha. I also just finished watching the Nintendo Direct and I use she, her pronouns. And today we are talking about kobolds, which unfortunately were not part of the Direct. They, they were not. I'm trying to like think of anything that was close to them. I feel like the uh, monster, no, Dragon Quest monster thing. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there's, there's probably some kobold type creature in that game. Yeah. In the Dragon yeah, Quest yeah. Pokemon game. But definitely not in the Hot Wheels game. No. Now that we've dated our podcast for something that's going to come out two months from now. Okay. We're just going to jump into it and then ask questions as we go. And yeah. Sure. So we're going to start off with their lore and how they came into being. So the origins of kobolds have been extensively documented, not only by their own accounts, but by gnomes and dragons. According to legend, during the gnomish god Garl Glitter Gold's escape from Tiamat, he stumbled upon a solitary egg larger than the rest, which he thought would make a fine meal. However, while he was making his getaway, the egg suddenly hatched, giving birth to... And excuse my pronunciation, because this is going to be bad. Kachralmuk. Kachralmuk. Yep. All right. I'm going to do my best. No, I'll, I'm first, here for it. The first kobold, fully aware and seething with anger. A fierce battle ensued, but they were unable to conclude their fight as both had to flee when Tiamat. I'm going to say that different every time, and I'm so sorry. Tiamat, in pursuit of the thieving gnome, drew near. Dragons, particularly metallic ones, are the ones who recount this tale, as chromatic dragons fear to repeat it for reasons that remain unclear. Which I don't know why that is, but it is. But they don't want to repeat the names? Well, they don't want to repeat the tale at all. Uh, it's only the metallic ones, and I'm not sure why. There's probably some deeper dragon lore that I'm just unaware of. Who can say? That makes that into being, but... Anyway, Katralumak, 
I'm just forcing my way through that word. <laughs> it's like when you're reading a fantasy name and there's a name that like you just kind of gloss over every time it pops up because you're not going to even yeah. try to pronounce it. And then like you hear yeah. it being said, like, that's not a word. That's not it. That's not it. Yeah. Audiobook readers be like. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Katram being wingless and standing upright was severely. You deformed. just gave up. You said. <laughs> Can you just say it for me every time? No. Can I call him Cat? You can do whatever you want. I'm going to call him Cat because okay. I can't say his name. Or Mac. I can call him Mac. Which do you prefer? Cat I mean, or Mac? It makes no difference. It's like me Cat calling Mac? Aedes Eagle. I'm going to call him Cat Mac. Cat Mac, okay. <laughs> Sorry, podcast listeners. Anyway, Cat Mac, being wingless and standing upright, was severely deformed for a dragon and had to conceal his true nature to avoid being slain. He sought refuge underground and forged a life for himself. Among the creatures he befriended, the most notable were rats and dogs. Through some mysterious means, although kobolds attributed to Catmac's magic, the rats and dogs gave birth to kobold offspring. I hate the implications of that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So they have kind of like cat, not cat. Sorry, cat is messing me up now. They have rat and like dog-like features sometimes, and that's... Part of the reason why I dislike all of that. Yep, I do too. Rats and dogs can't consent. Nope. Especially with dragons. Nope. Yep. And then finally, this legend, of course, remains a legend, and it is reasonable to consider it as a distant evolutionary branch that split from the pseudo dragon. It was theorized that both kobolds and dragonborn share close familial ties, stemming from this hypothesized missing link. It is worth noting that kobolds do possess certain features reminiscent of dogs and rats. Okay. I hate that for them. Yeah. But, I mean, kobolds are cute and tiny assholes. You will fuck your shit. Mm-hmm. So, kobolds are master crafters. They possess remarkable craftsmanship if they choose to pursue it. Their ability to create spears, shields, and even armor sometimes leads to mistaken attributions to dwarven artistry. However, it is crucial to acknowledge that distinctions to avoid offending either party. Kobold spears feature flat blades at the tip with steel or other metal extending halfway into the metal shaft, unlike leather grips. Hmm. It's very, like, specific. How I you didn't... can, like, tell the differences. Yeah, I never realized that kobolds were, like, that good at crafting. They're really good at crafting, yeah. They're, like, really in-depth, and they can have, like, all these different, like, types of jobs and specializations. Hmm. They're, they're very intelligent for what they are, which is part of why they're scary. Yeah, I guess I always just kind of consider them, like, the dragon equivalent of a goblin. No, they're, they're a lot more intelligent, I hmm. think. And they're not as derpy as I think people think they are initially. They're, they're for, fully formed, like civilization basically or like little clans or whatever right yeah a few other things about their like craftsmanship stuff is they often utilize things like dread scale hides providing better grip due to their affinity for scales and their armor and shields tend to be taller than wider resulting in an elegantly elongated diamond shape for the most adorned shields 
And then when it comes to crafting, kobolds typically work in groups rather than as individual forgers. Up to four craftsmen may collaborate to fashion a simple sword, allowing them to produce numerous items swiftly. For the creation of magical items, spellcasters and other magically inclined individuals join the project, making it more elaborate and potent. Instead of enchanting the finished weapons, kobolds infuse the materials themselves during the forging process. Although this practice carries risk, the inclusion of a dozen kobold lives, often with the assistance of a cleric who infuses their souls into the item, is deemed worthy for the sake of a formidable weapon. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of fucked. Yeah, it's kind of fucked. Kobolds are kind of fucked. It's like, yeah, we're gonna... You might die, but fucking who cares? We're gonna get a cool-ass sword out of it. We're gonna get a cool-ass sword. It'll be worth it. It'll protect the kobolds. It's like that, uh... Scene from Shrek where Lord Farquaad is like, some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yep. That's basically kobolds as a whole, but they do it as like a group thing. All right. It's weird. Interesting. Like it. <laughs> yep. Basically, the only other thing about their like craftsmanship with this is that while they hold things like weapons and shields in high regard, it's Anyone who can craft armor is the highest because, like, clothing is such a commodity. Do they have that much of a need for armor, though? Like, aren't they scaly? So, so they're scaled, but their scales work a little bit different. And I don't know if I have this in my notes. I might somewhere. But basically how their scales work isn't the same as a dragon's. Whereas dragons are, like, interlocking and, like, stable. Theirs have a lot more movement that they can't control, basically. Hmm. And so it makes them better acclimated to, like, different types of weather. So they can, like, cool down easier and warm up easier by, like, the way that their scales move. But since they aren't connected, it's not as strong of a hide. Interesting. So there is need for armor because they don't have... They're not... They're stronger than, like, a lot of creatures, but, like, at least AC-wise. But having that extra protection is a good thing for them. Interesting. So next we're going to go into how kobolds exist. All right. That's a weird way to phrase that. Their society? Uh, no, how they're born or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, so kobolds begin their lives as eggs, which hatch after a period of 60 days once they are laid. These precious eggs are carefully placed in a warm chamber dedicated to their incubation, where they are diligently guarded by elite soldiers who ensure their safety. Every effort is made to keep these eggs untouched by any creature, including bugs and other small intruders. And I love the idea of a soldier just, like, shooing away all these little bugs on the eggs. It's I love cute. the fact that they think bugs are, like, a threat to their eggs. Yeah, they are. They are. But that fits with, like, kobolds, I think. Fair. With their silly, silly brains. Like, everything is the extremes? Yeah, everything is a threat. Fair. Upon hatching, these young kobolds are taken to designated chambers specifically designed for their upbringing. In these chambers, they spend the initial six years of their lives, emerging as youths prepared to contribute to the kobold community. Kobolds who display exceptional talent or skill in a specific area are chosen to carry out those tasks for the betterment of the community. Those who show less aptitude or ambition are often assigned to work as miners. Okay. They're very organized. And that was like one of the things that surprised me the most while reading about them is like, they're, they're a little self-sustaining civilization in these little, you know, clans. Yeah. And then, with an average lifespan of approximately 300 years and a rapid transition to adulthood, kobold communities can become populated by numerous individuals. 
However, despite this lengthy natural lifespan, the average life expectancy is significantly shorter, standing at around 120 years, less than half of their potential years. This disparity can be attributed to the multitude of wars and battles that kobolds frequently face as a community. The toll of these conflicts results in the loss of many kobold lives. Which isn't surprising. A lot of their society seems to just be a bunch of them dying all the time. Trying not to die, but dying still. Yeah, like they're doing their best to protect all their people, fight. but they're just constantly like, yeah, we sacrificed 15 people for the storm. These 20 people <laughs> just became a miners or died in the mines. It's fine. It's fine. It's worth it. It's worth it. Okay. And then kobolds possess a level of intelligence that surpasses common expectations. Not only are they sentient beings capable of complex thoughts like other humanoid creatures, but they also exhibit remarkable spatial intelligence and cunning. They demonstrate ingenuity in the craft of constructing traps, adeptness in the art of deception, and remarkable capacity for retaining information, even over extended periods of time. In comparison to goblinoids, orcs, and even humans, kobolds excel in these traits, yet they do not exhibit a particular inclination towards academic pursuits, such as subjects such as art, math, and other forms of higher learning, except for reading and writing, are, are beyond their grasp. While they do take pleasure in clothing, particularly garments of superior quality, they lack the desire or appreciation for the sex solely for their own sake. Hmm. I would argue that uh, anyone can be an artist, personally. Especially, I mean, the Kuotawa, yeah. clearly. Artist. I want to talk more about their fashion because this is one of my favorite things. Okay, tell me about kobold fashion then. Kobolds are not known for their fashion-forward nature among the various humanoid races in the realms. While they, while they prioritize personal cleanliness, even when subjected to slavery by other races... Most kobolds simply wear pants when not clad in armor. Given their reptilian nature, they have little need for concealing garments. However, it is common for female kobolds to adorn their heads with ribbons or bows purely for aesthetic reasons, <laughs> albeit without much embellishment beyond that. So they just wear cute little bows. I love that uh, there's like, how do we separate? How do we tell them apart? Eh, we'll just put a bow on it. <laughs> it's very Disney animation of them. It reminds me of like babies when you can't tell what gender they are and they always like the mom always the, like the parents always put like headbands on them like bows and stuff yeah. so they don't call them little boys. It's basically what kobolds do. Fair. I love that. This modest appearance often leads other races to believe that kobolds do not care about their attire but this assumption couldn't be further from the truth. Any article of clothing worn by a kobold is carefully protected and treasured. Kobolds typically lack spare clothes and strive to keep their existing garments as clean as possible. Their worn-out appearance stems from age rather than a lack of concern. Acquiring new clothes can be a challenging task, especially given their diminutive size. Thus, well-fitting garments become highly prized possessions for kobolds. Some particularly meticulous warrior kobolds choose never to remove their armor, treating it as their permanent attire. Mm. I just love that they care so much about that because they can't find clothes their size. This would be easily solved if they just like had somebody who would make clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that needs to be a, like a thing they learn how to do. <laughs> Life would be a lot better. D&D character idea. Become a kobold seamstress or a seamster. Taylor. Taylor. There we are. You would be the most popular kobold. I love the idea of like Somebody trading with kobolds, but just like giving them a bunch of clothes. 
It's kind of like Dobby. Just give him <laughs> no. the sock. Except the kobolds don't seem particularly like enslaved. No. No, they aren't. But they would like you a lot if you gave them clothes. I feel like that's a good way to a kobold's heart. They won't talk to you about it, and they might trap you. Fair. But if you give them clothes, they might forgive you, maybe. To be fair, if like somebody gives me clothes, I'll probably like them a little bit more. It's true. It's true. As long as I like the clothes, I feel like I'm picky, and I would be annoyed. I'm, I'm very good with the flow. You know, whatever. I feel like that's true. I feel like that's true. I, I've been gifted clothes so many times in my life, and it's like old lady-style clothes. I'm like, I can't do that. I think, like, assuming it's like a friend, right? If they're coming to me... Yeah. And they are saying, like, hey, this shirt reminded me of you, or I thought you would really like the shirt. And I, I could probably see a reason why they thought that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'm thinking more, like, family did it. Mm. And, like, they don't always understand, like, my my ex. So, like, my mother-in-law got me, like, this weird, like, vest thing that was, like, this, like, not soft fuzzy material. It was, like, this rough fuzzy material. And I couldn't wear that. Like, it was such a bad sensation whenever I touched it. I was like, oh, no. Sorry, Austin's mom, for when you listen to this podcast. Sorry. I've never worn it. She actually I threw it in the fire? It. I, I donated it. <laughs> I don't. I don't throw things into the fire, usually. It's been a while since I've Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So, their communication. Kobolds primarily communicate in Draconic, which no one should be surprised. But they also incorporate elements of gnomish. They lack a strong inclination to learn or engage in dialogues with other races, resulting in a peculiar dialect that even dragons find difficult to comprehend. Their language incorporates numerous shortcuts and abbreviations, which, according to draconic experts, sometimes go to extremes. This is a great word. I'm just I just threw this in there. But so is, obfuscating. Obfuscate's a great word. It's a great word. Um, so it's from what I'm understanding, it's like when they. Add just like a bunch of contractions to a word and make it like one word, like the wouldn't you? Yeah, basically. Basically anything like you know how there's contractions of like ain't. Yeah. That are like different than that, that like people not from the south wouldn't know. Like yaint. Yeah, y'all ain't. Yeah. Which like I didn't know about that until a couple months ago. I, I feel like it's like that, but just constant. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I like them talking in their, like, broken language. It's very or cute. Like, With some gnomish thrown in there for fun. Fair. Or, like, when people, like, just, like, text primarily in just, like, abbreviations. Uh, yeah. I'm too old for that. I, I have to Google abbreviations half the fucking time, I feel like, anymore. One of my friends said that the other day, this is entirely unrelated to the podcast, but they said That's that uh, the Percy Jackson movies were camp. And I had no idea what the fuck they meant by that. I don't know what you mean by that. I'm like, camp? What the fuck does camp mean? Yeah. And they just did not respond. They just didn't answer. They didn't answer my question. And so I had to, did you find it out? I had to Urban, Urban Dictionary it. And apparently it's like, it's so bad that it's good type of thing. Sort of like Twilight mm-hmm. movies. I don't think those meet that. I don't think those meet that. I think the Percy Jackson movies, independent from the books, are very good. I think related to the, the books, books I like if you're, if you're trying to follow like the plot of the books, they're not they're bad. They're yeah, they're weird and like awfully paced. But like as standalone movies, they're not terrible. Yeah. They could be much worse. That's I, for sure. Yeah. 
but maybe I was like, I maybe it's just because like last time I saw him, I was fucking like fifteen and stupid. yeah, just keep them back there. That's probably a good idea. I'm excited for uh, the TV show to come out this December. I think. What is it on? Like what's Disney Plus? Uh, means I'm gonna have to get Disney Plus for a little bit, doesn't it? I'm excited for that now. Yeah. Do they have trailers of it yet? Uh, doubt. Fair enough. Fair enough. Back to kobolds and their languages. Kobolds. Yep. Um, despite their limitations in conversing with other others, kobolds are quick to grasp any variation of the draconic language. Their condensed manner of expression can be perceived as an insult by certain dragons, particularly blue dragons, who hold their intelligence and language in high regard. However, one cannot dispute the efficiency and speed with which they communicate among themselves. The ability ensures that battles are seldom lost due to a lack of effective communication. And I respect that for them. Yeah. It's very, like, even, like, the military, I guess, too. Like, in the military, you had acronyms for everything. And mm-hmm. actually, what it reminds me is, like, they're just trying to make communication go as smoothly and swiftly as possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That way they can get shit done. That way they can maybe save one out of their 20 lives. Hopefully. Hopefully one. <laughs> and hopefully the party doesn't make them into a pet, because that's always awkward. It, 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 they, they always do. I always do. No chill. This is interesting in correlation with like the very like accidentally sacrificial nature that we've been kind of talking about with them, about them just like throwing lives away here and there. Yeah. Um, so one of many is the guiding philosophy that each kobold lives by. They firmly believe that nothing should be undertaken alone because everything can be accomplished more effectively with the support of others. Kobolds form a tightly knit community that works together with a shared goal of survival. They heavily rely on their fellow kobolds to the extent that being alone can cause significant mental distress, often leading to rapid breakdown unless they can swiftly return to the community. Hmm. These, are, these are needy little buddies, and I love them for that. Very social creatures. They are. They are. I wonder if that's because of, like, the dogs. And rats, also very rats. pack-based. I feel like there's definitely a lot of influence by that, because I feel like dragons themselves aren't. Well, that way dragons typically aren't social by necessity mm-hmm. if you have multiple dragons in the same area you are a lot more likely to get hunted down because you have to eat a lot more food yeah. and you're causing a lot bigger of a disturbance also like dragons like to hoard things and you can't really hoard in a sharing isn't hoarding yeah yeah it's just kind of an interesting, like, branch off of, like, what dragons are versus yeah. kobolds, which makes them so uniquely different, I think. Fair. Um, so communication is constant among kobolds, and they engage in frequent conversations. There are minimal secrets within the community, if any at all, as most individuals focus on fulfilling their roles and responsibilities. Hmm. This communal way of life is often sought after by other benevolent races, but personal values often act as, act as a limiting factor. Kobolds, on the other hand, achieve this unity through a collective mindset. In fact, the only possessions a kobold truly owns are their own clothes and gear, which explains why they hold such value in these items. It it represents their personal identity. Cute. It is cute. So they share, like, everything, then. They share everything. Everything. Mm. Except their clothes, because their clothes are their own. We stand communist kobolds. We do. We do. So relaxation and leisure time are also highly regarded within the kobold community and are taken just as seriously as work. Love that for them. 
They partake in various games, events, and activities that involve their entire community, with the exception of patrol duties. Kobolds have their own sports, events, plays, and friendly competitions that serve to alleviate the stress of daily labor, providing a much-needed respite after each night. Hmm. I don't know why the word value is in that sentence, but we're ignoring it. I only have, like, a couple more things. You're fine. So, underground burrows. As previously mentioned, kobolds predominantly drill underground, where they construct intricate cave systems that form their cities. In some instances, these underground dwellings can grow the size of an actual city. These burrows can be found in various climates, including frozen tundras, although such occurrences are rare and require considerable dig depths. The kobolds continually work on maintaining and repairing these tundles. I want to say tundles. Why? I don't know why you want to say tundles. It's not a word. <laughs> Considering daily upkeep a vital task. Just gonna move on. They have a preference for leaving the tunnels unlined with stone or other materials, opting instead for the natural elements of dirt, stone, or whatever substance they excavated during the process. Okay. Most burrows accommodate numerous kobold families, often totaling in the hundreds. With, significant, with such significant numbers, they establish distinct areas within the complex to cater to various aspects of their lives. These designated areas include training grounds, child-rearing spaces, Hatching chambers, dining areas, sleeping quarters, event venues, private chambers, watering holes, mining sections, <laughs> storage rooms, and discussion spaces. All right. <laughs> they are a whole, like, city unto themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's way more than you would think normally of them, you know? Yeah. So. It's worth noting that privacy, sleeping quarters... And discussion chambers are always designed as dead ends, ensuring a secluded environment for those activities. To excavate a new complex, hundreds of kobolds come together to commence the digging process, prioritizing the construction of essential rooms. While this undertaking is undoubtedly arduous, ate some big words here, for the community, it progresses more swiftly than one might anticipate. With an ample workforce, a new complex can be completed within the span of four to six months. In an urgent situation, even the children contribute to the efforts to hasten the process. Hmm. I'm really enjoying the thought of like very small kobolds just helping as much as they can. Yeah. yeah, it's very cute. Okay. And finally, we have the variants because there's more than just the standard. Yeah. So there's crocolds, and they are swamp dwelling kobolds, are often allied or near swamp dwelling lizard folk. Shorter but wider, these kobolds are adept swimmers and build complex treehouse complexes. Interesting. They are deadly with dart spears and bolus, which I don't know what a bolus is. A bolus is that, uh, where it's like two balls and a rope detaching them, and you're supposed to, like, to help tangle them up. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. They usually appear dark green or black in color with yellow eyes. And they have wider and flatter jaws, much like a crocodile. Hence the name. Hence the name. And then you have druidic kobolds. Some kobold communities have decided to be protectors of the forest or other natural wonders. Wonders. They are friendly to outsiders, unlike their cousins. Though these druidic kobolds, did I say draconic? Did I say druidic? You said druid did first. Say, okay, I don't know. I it's druid. Yeah. My head, I said draconic. I don't know. Well, your head's wrong. And my head is wrong. These druidic kobolds, as they are called, can 
Be more in tune with the environment than an elf and considers the land itself a member of the community. They're usually brown in coloration with brilliant green eyes. Hmm. And I need a druid kobold now because, you know, I love druids. <laughs> you want to play a druid kobold? Never would have guessed. Never would have guessed. I would have to speak very high pitched, though. I feel and like. have a lot more energy than you typically do. You know what? My D&D characters are full of energy. Hmm. They are. They're, I bring out like my full ADHD like Fair. child self when I play D&D. So it's always like, oh my god, let's go do this thing. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, so there's adventuring kobolds. Due to the importance of community to a kobold, they usually adventure with around 6 to 10 kobolds in a group. However, kobolds have been known to adventure with creatures, not of their race. In this case, the kobold treats the adventuring companions as their community members, and they are loyal for life to those friends. Cute. So, if that's that's kind of how like a player character one yeah. would work. And then finally, there's the dragon rot. These are a rare occurrence in kobold communities, but celebrated individuals when they are standing upwards of four feet tall. Ooh, <laughs> giant kobold. It resembles a mix between a kobold and a dragon. They are only hatched when under the servitude of a chromatic dragon. Hmm. The color of the dragon in which they resemble always resembles the dragon that they serve. They not only are larger and stronger, but they also have wings, horns, and the breath weapon that identifies a chromatic dragon. It is believed that these kobolds are chosen by Katmak himself as a blessing of protection to keep Tiamat air ire ire from his children yep you said these are called dragon rot yep dragon rot kobolds hmm. and they tend to become leaders yeah. of their communities if they're so it makes sense they are the chosen one basically yeah and yeah so that's what i have for like my like information dump <laughs> there is a lot in there there is and I have a game, and the first question sucks, and I'm sorry. That's fine. Because I couldn't think of another one. I tried, and my brain gave up at that point in the day. So Mood. So, yeah. Do you have any questions before we go into that, or do you want to just wait till after? It's whatever. Uh, I have questions, but I'll save them for after the game. Hello, welcome to the mid-roll. I'm definitely not two kobolds in a trench coat trying to sneak into movie theater, so just don't worry about that. If you like listening to me and Matcha Talk, then you should check out our other podcast, ADHD Book Club, where we read about 20 to 30 pages of a book a week and talk about it with our other guests, Tevin, Marty, and whoever else happens to be there that week. Right now, we're almost done with Circe by Madeline Miller, and it's been such a fun story to talk about. There are so many interesting connections to other mythologies in there, and it's really cool. I highly recommend everybody reads it. If you want to keep up with news and announcements, you can follow our Twitter, at KMGPod, and you can see all the cute little graphics that I've been making for each of these episodes. But, if you want to know the absolute best way to help us grow, it's telling someone about us. Seriously. I want you, in about 10 seconds, to pause this episode and text someone that you think would like listening to this, whether you send them this episode specifically or just our trailer for them to check out. Word of mouth is the most powerful tool that you as our audience have to help us grow. Now that you're back from texting someone, let's get back to the show.
So we're basically playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay. But with D&D monsters. All right. Okay. Is the first one Mimics? No. <laughs> there are no Mimics here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept two answers on this one because I think it's... It's fine. Okay. So... Which monster in Dungeons and Dragons is a colossal, ancient, and highly intelligent creature that possesses powerful spellcasting abilities? Is it A, Elderbrain, B, Ancient Silver Dragon, C, Empyrean, or D, Kraken? And I can copy and paste these if you want to see them. Well, okay. What was the size you said? Colossal. Okay, so it's not Empyrean. Krakens, I think, are colossal, but they're not necessarily intelligent and don't have spellcasting. Elderbrains are intelligent and have spellcasting, but I don't think they're colossal or ancient. So I think it's Ancient Silver Dragon. That is the second answer that I will accept. It's not the correct answer, even though I think it still kind of is. But D is actually the right one. Krakens have spellcasting? They do. I don't think I've ever seen anyone use spellcasting no, no for a Kraken. No one's ever used it. They can summon lightning. That's stupid. They shouldn't be I able agree. to do that. I agree. But they can. <laughs> but, I mean, Ancient Silver Dragon works too, right? Like, that was the worst question. <laughs> All right. We started on that one. I wanted to start on a weird one. Okay. So, two. What's the name of the demon lord known as the... Quote, Prince of Demons and Dungeons and Dragons. Is it A, Orcus, B, Grzzt, because I said that right, mm -hmm. C, Demogorgon, or D, Bahamut? Um, okay, I don't think it's Orcus or Grzzt. Um, Orcus is a, Orcus is a orc deity, I believe, and Grass just doesn't sound like a demon. The Demogorgon... <laughs> I don't know if the Demogorgon's a demon. I know it's, like, an alien thing, typically. And I know, like, Baphomet is just the devil from the Bible. Mood. So I'm going to go with Baphomet. It is actually the Demogorgon. Really? It is. Interesting. I would have thought it was Baphomet, too. To be fair. I think Tevin got one of these, right? Okay. <laughs> this is me... Getting back at you just a little. You know, fair. I was in Jeopardy. I was shit at Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> I was so bad at it. And yours were arguably kind of easier. You know. Or more straightforward. Mine were like. like wild shape and mimic. Mine were like things that you should know if you play the game for the most part. See, I'm making it challenging. This is just like I trivia. Need make, I need to make myself feel better. Okay. Fair. <laughs> okay. So three, which edition of Dungeons and Dragons introduced the concept of character classes? Is it A, first edition, B, second edition, C, third edition, or D, fourth edition? Well, it's not third or fourth, because those are far too late for character classes. Unless they're separating out, well, I guess technically, right, like, there might not have been race options previous, and those might have just been like, your race technically was like your class or something like that. Or, like, your race was tied to your class, so, like, all dwarves or paladins. But I don't necessarily know if that's true. Mm -hmm. um, I want to... I feel like this is a fake out. Because I feel like first edition is the easiest answer. But now I'm hesitating on it. 
We need the uh, phone a friend option here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me uh, let me just phone a friend. Well, let me just copy paste this, send it to Tevin real quick. Uh, see what he says. <laughs> Which one was this? You already did this. Which one was it? Let me just cheat real quick. Uh, I'm going to say first edition. <laughs> that is not correct. It was second. It okay. No, it's third. What? Yeah. What the fuck was it before then? I don't know. <laughs> it just wasn't that. What do you mean? You can't just do the research for this. And I, then can do, I can do the research. I can do whatever I want, Cole. My brain gave up. So it looks like it used to be tied to. Like you were kind of saying, like they were tied to races. What the? F I think your trivia is wrong. It could be. I don't think third edition was the first time characters. Character classes existed. That's what the trivia site that I found said. Well. I'm I'm disproving it by myself. That's fine. I'm not going to argue with it. I don't have the ability to do that. I found trivia online because I can't think of stuff myself. So, you know. Uh, D &D. Blame the internet. Fuck it, whatever. I'll just <laughs> go with what you say. All right. Okay. People on the internet can argue with us yeah. and tell me why I'm wrong. That seems very that. late in development for them it to does. be like. I, I think they existed. It was just tied to like the race and stuff like you were saying. Hmm. But anyway, people do whatever the fuck they want in Dungeons Dragons. That's, so that's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. Okay. What is the name of the extra planner? Planner? Planner. Extra, extra planner. Plan whatever creature in dungeons and dragons that's powerful as a powerful manipulator of time and space often depicted as a floating roped figure is it a a marlith b a modron c a mind flare and d a yugoloth well i know a modron is a construct that is from that is like a tiny little creature um very mechanical in nature uh mind flares are typically underdark creatures I don't think they're related to time and space ever. I'm not sure what a Marilith is. I always is like, I know two of them for sure. Yeah. And then the other two are just like. What the fuck is that thing? Yeah. What is it? Weird. Um, a Yugoloth sounds familiar, but that means nothing, right? Are you... <laughs> that means nothing. Yeah. This word sounds like a word. Cool. Good for me. Um, it looks pretty scary. Not going to lie. Well, I don't. I'm gonna say Marilith, but I'm not confident on it. Okay. It is not a Marilith. A Marilith is kind of like a snake person. Is it a Yugoloth then? No. That's like an ant thing. It's a Modron. What? Yeah, they, they're like little. They have, they're like in a robe and they float and they're a little construct that can control time and space. I have never considered them to be, like, a time and space thing. That's, that's what it says. Because they're, like, challenge rating, like, nothing. How are they a powerful... They're challenge rating one-eighth. How are they a powerful manipulator of time and space? Powerful is a strong word, maybe. I, I mean, they can teleport and stuff, though. Yeah, but, like, so can most And they things. use the energy plane? I mean... I think, I think the word powerful there is misleading. Fair enough, fair enough. I never said I was good at this. I never said I was good at this. I'm arguing. <laughs> also, they're not like... From what I remember, Modrons aren't in robes, typically. 
I think it's like the mechanical like robe look to them. I think it really varies. I think. Again, I'm using online questions. Fair. So argue with the internet. I'm going to, me. and I win. I know. I'll and fight I the won't internet. argue back because I don't. I'm not claiming responsibility. Fair. Even though this is my game, it's not a good game. It's fine. I liked IKEA furniture or monster better. I'm gonna go back to that one of these days. Fair. You know, we should we gotta try new things. And we uh, do. We they do. don't always work out, and that's okay. It's true. Okay, I have one more. All right. And I think this is a, the easiest one. This is the one Tevin got right. Okay. So, what is the name of the monstrous spider-like creature in the in Dungeons and Dragons that resides in the Underdark and has the ability to create intricate webs and manipulate illusions? Is it A, a drider, B, an ettercap, C, a phase spider, or D, a chitin? Oh, fuck me. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think. Edercap, I don't... These are all, like, multi-limbed creatures, from what I remember. I don't think a phase spider can manipulate illusions. I think they're very similar to, like, a blink dog, where they just kind of, like, teleport around, but I'm not mm -hmm. remembering that a whole lot. A chitin, again, sounds familiar. Big deal? Thing, a lot <laughs> of these all sound familiar, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck. I... I'm just taking a pure shot in the dark here. I like it. I want to say it's Dryder. It is a Dryder. Okay. Let's go. That's the one time I got Woo right. Woo! I got one right. Woo! It's okay. My questions weren't great. It's fine. Fucking Krakens. Krakens don't spellcast. They have, they have spellcasting abilities. I refuse to accept that. That's fine. I won't argue with it. It's no wacky inflatable tube Kraken. That's the only one that matters. That was like my favorite TikTok. Ugh. All right. Anyway, that's all I got. My so, shitty little game. <laughs> with uh, I have a few questions. With how often they die, you mentioned that kind of briefly, like, but like, how quickly can they reproduce? Really? I do not know that. Let's look it up. Or like, what's like the average? Like, how many eggs do they typically lay at a time? Because it seems like they are dying yeah. by the dozens every single day. So it says, cobalts are extremely fecund, which I don't know what that word means. Egg layers. Spell it. F-E-C-U-N-D. So sounds. <laughs> Having the highest birth rate among humanoids. A pregnant female will lay her eggs within two weeks. About one in ten pregnancies leads to two eggs. And the egg needs to incubate for two months. Uh, so... Fecund means producing or capable of producing an abundance of offspring or new growth. So they have babies a lot. Yeah. Basically. So basically like every two weeks someone's laying an egg and it's yeah. we'll be hatching in it's two months. It's a full-time job watching over those eggs. Fair. And it can lead up to two eggs. So it could be two every two weeks, hypothetically. Okay. A lot of eggs. Yeah. If you had to plan a birthday party for a kobold... What kind of things would you plan for this birthday party? Well, I would make it a community event because I think they would love that the most. Okay. So we would have like fun little games and I think all of the prizes would be clothing based. Oh. So like, you know, each reward is like you get a sock or something <laughs> like that. So, you know, you do like the three legged race with the kobolds 
and each one gets like a pair of socks when they win. Nice. And maybe there's like a grand prize for them at the end of it where they get, you know, like a new pair of pants or a new bow, <laughs> depending on the gender. Ah, um, uh, yes, the two genders, pants and bows. <laughs> what if there's boy couples who want to wear boats? I feel like we should help them accessorize more. I feel like there could be like a little jewelry making thing with them too at the birthday party. Maybe. That would be cute. I was going to say, uh, boy kobolds they like get like the trucker caps. Yes. Yes. And then um, they like to have big feast. And so I would definitely make sure there would be lots and lots of food for them. I didn't include this in my notes, but they like, they can go like weeks without eating. And they just have like one big meal to sustain them for a while. Okay. And so I think I would have the biggest feast for them. I don't know what foods they like, but we would figure that out with them. That's fair. Honestly, like, there's not a whole lot of questions I really have. Mostly because just, like, these are just kind of another race. They're not really a monster mm -hmm. of sorts. They are... But, I mean, they are at the same time, right? Like, they will fuck your shit. Yeah, but, like, in the same way that, like, a dwarf will fuck your shit or humans can fuck your shit. Yeah. It's true. Like, they are sentient and they are civilizations, so, like, any questions I make would just be, like, generalizations. Yeah. They are unique, each and every one of them. I was really surprised how big their civilizations got, though. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect that when I was going into the research. I, I thought they were much smaller, more like, you were saying, kind of, like, goblin-esque. But they have all fucking, like, careers and stuff. It's crazy. Hmm. So is there anything that, like, preys on kobolds? Or is there anything that they're particularly, like, scared of? I think they're timid of a lot of things, but I don't know. Let me look into that real quick. I'm, I was just on Google searching it, and it says kobolds ate my baby. Okay. I have a lot of questions for that. I mean, dragons would definitely be an enemy of them, right? Well, I don't think they, dragons are an enemy of them, because they worship dragons, basically. That is true. Like. Kobolds love anything that even kind of resembles draconic natures. That's true. That's true. I'm trying to find. I know on one of the Reddit threads I saw, I saw something on Google when I search it. Kobolds, things to know, fears. What are kobolds afraid of? Kobolds will fear any creature that kills a lot of them. <laughs> you know, fair. Same. <laughs> I'm also terrified of things that kill a lot of me. <laughs> That's what I got, Cole. God. That's not helpful. So, is there any, like, root for kobolds in real-life mythology or lore, or is it just, like, entirely RPG-focused? From what I was able to find, it was just RPG-focused. Okay. Like, they have their whole origin story in D&D, &D, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a ton of, like, draconic-type things Fair. in mythology, but I couldn't find, like, a direct root from that to kobolds that's fair well that's all i really have questions about then that's all i got too i went through four pages of notes fair. <laughs> have fun condensing that into the graphic for patreon yeah well i already have it like laid out on just like four pages but i need to uh eventually i need to do the like small cards for stuff too but true i haven't gotten there in my life yet uh, our next episode, we'll be talking about phoenixes. Ooh. 
That will be fun. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Pretty birds. Pretty, pretty birds. Pretty fire birds that are semi-tragic. Nah. Sim- no, there's no tragedy there. No tragedy. They come back. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just keeping up for that. Thank you all for listening. I have been Cole. Uh, matcha? I don't know. Yeah, what are I... we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like our podcast, tell people about us. Follow us on Twitter. Share us with friends. Leave reviews. Um, there's... If you want to see our notes, check out our Patreon. We offer like copies of those so you can see all of our research for quick reference if you want to do that. Also access to uh, video episodes, which I need to edit those real quick too. Whoops. They take forever to upload onto Patreon, man. Yo, yeah, I, I'm aware. It's pain. I hate it. But yeah. Uh, That's all I got. Thanks. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>